it's time. Five games, we finally got an A-League win to celebrate. Welcome everyone to the Brisbane Football Review, here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. It is James Scott and Adam here in uh, late November, and we're finally able to talk about the Raw's first A-League win of the season. So, Scott, how are you? Good, James. It's a very rare thing like talking about a Brisbane Raw win, isn't it? But hopefully the first of many. Hopefully. Adam, how are you going? I'm good. I'm, I'm sorry, I think that we're going to show up in this again, another draw or another loss. Yeah. And, you know, it's actually good to come on here and actually talk about win for a change. Absolutely. All right. So we're here, as mentioned, for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. You can get in contact with us, uh, email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. We check that quite regularly. Also got Facebook, The Raw Review, which we're still trying to change the name of that to Brisbane Football Review. Twitter is at BNE Football, and obviously you're listening to this podcast on one of our five podcast platforms of Wooshka, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Radio Public. So, got plenty of ways to get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you and uh, any comments, questions, and whatnot on all three of the rulers' football sides. So, yeah. Yes. I think I got through that intro quite well. It was good. Yeah? Well, I don't know. I feel like I've got to compete for my job now. All no, time, so. no, you're definitely not competing for that. <laughs> the, the highly rating uh, post-game shows. Yes. Else. Yes, kudos on that, guys. You're doing a fantastic far. job on those. <laughs> As Scott's just shaking his head, no. thinking... Well, highly rating is very, very... <laughs> that's a very rated. long bow to draw. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, let's get into segment one with our A-League recap. And the Raw, as mentioned, picked up their first... Uh, a-League win of the season in round five with a 2-0 win over Melbourne City side that, despite a few off-the-pitch dramas going on, many were still favouring them to win this game. Well, they were the, the favourites in your industry, weren't they, James, in most of them? Yes, and yep. I think they were quite a popular pick in the outside of my industry yeah. as well. Yeah, well, yeah, they were, the, they were a lot of people's favourites going into the game, but I think the Fauna Oli withdrawal, whatever that was, we'll get into it later, probably should have tipped the scales back towards Brisbane because... When they don't have four in a rolly, they don't they struggle for goal scoring options and we saw that on Saturday night, that was evident. Yeah, Lockie Wales was playing up front for Melbourne City and I thought he had a very rough night of things for the time that he was on the pitch. He was fine in his movements and creating things, there's just no one to put them away. That's the issue for Melbourne City when four in a rolly's not there. There's no out now goal scorer in the lineup. Absolutely. Adam? It's um it's hard to get a read on Melbourne City at the moment. Like they're either very, very good or very, very um sort of ordinary and this is another like it's another sort of very ordinary performance. I just don't... I think they sort of lack a bit of... Yeah, I guess not direction. That's not the word I'm trying to look for. But it's sort of, in a way, I don't think they, they've figured out their identity yet as far as how they're going to play their football this season. Um, it seems like a bit of a, a mismatch, you know, like playing, you know, Florian Berenger and Lachlan Wales up front. Um, it's just at the moment, I just don't know what they're, they're trying to achieve. What stood out for me overall was the fact that like these are two sides that over the first month of the season have have actually both been quite hard to get a read on. Obviously, mm-hmm. Melbourne City have either shown up or just not yeah. shown up for games, depending on really what time of day it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but then you've got the Raw, who 
I don't think they've actually played a complete game one way or the or another. They've either had ga- they've had patches in games where they've really struggled, like yeah. we saw, you know, the opening half hour against the Wanderers the week before. But then they've also had patches where they've been absolutely phenomenal. And I thought I was saying to the people I was sitting with before the game, you know, one positive is if Melbourne City look like they're struggling early on. They're not the sort of team that can pull themselves out of it, whereas with the Raw, if they got off to what was another slow start, which I don't necessarily think they did, but they've at least got the mentality to pull themselves out of that hole, and quite frankly, I yeah, just couldn't see Melbourne City ever getting back into that game. It's it's not it's not the same side that you know that that won the Melbourne Derby in week one. That, that that's that's the thing, and it almost feels in a way that that, that was sort of like they were, they were up for the Derby. But I guess the the one tipping point I guess the, in their season was that that horrible performance against Sydney when 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 Sydney were backing up after the FFA Cup where they'll probably the sky was probably right for the picking and Melbourne City just didn't show up and I just think it's been a slight since yeah look they beat Wellington but look Wellington aren't going that well at the moment and unfortunately with that you know that that form the the two draws early in the season for the Raw is looking worse and worse by yeah. the week. But that being said, the Raws, you know, are mm. finally in the winner's circle now. So, all they've played better as well in previous weeks and not won than they did on Saturday night. I don't think they were spectacular on Saturday night. They did what they had to do to win the game, really. That's right. So it was a brace from Adam Taggart. Goals in the 24th and 60th, 66th minute. That's actually harder to say than you'd think. <laughs> do I say it again? I'd rather not. Okay. But overall, I, so we finally saw the change of... Uh, Daniel Bowles came in for Jacob Pepper, which was something that we'd actually flagged last week when we were talking about this. Maybe a rejig was needed in defence. Not a massive overhaul, but enough... To... You, can, you can claim credit for that one. That was your suggestion on the show last week. Well, I'm trying not to seem like an egotistical maniac so we'll, we'll in let the first you, 10 no, We'll let you on this time. It was, and it was an expected change as well, really, given Jacob had a tough game down in Mudgee. And if form dictates selection, then unfortunately a change was required there. And Daniel Bowles was very, very good when he came in. Yeah, look, um, I guess it, it, it was, yeah, just that, you know, a bit of a change, and it's, it's brought in some rewards in, um, in, in a clean sheet. And to be fair, other than maybe one or two chances um, created, like, they didn't, the, the um, Melbourne City attack didn't really trouble um, the Raw that much, you know, and, and that's probably a credit to the way Daniel Bowles played and how he combined with Avram Papadopoulos. I actually want to talk about the whole back four, because I thought, Connor O'Toole, there were a couple of early moments that raised my eyebrows, but overall, he looked so much more assured than he did in the first month of the season. He was very good, Connor O'Toole. He, I say, he was, it, it probably would be, other than maybe his performance when he played centre-back late in the season last year, I think this has probably been his best performance. And he's even to a couple of, he actually had a couple of scoring chances, which, you know, yeah. as a left-back, you sort of say, well, you know, one, I think, one golden chance you know, early on, which was, I think it was deflected. Um, which was on target, but other than that, like he was getting himself in position, um, and it was a very, very good performance from the left back, and it's sort of, a, sort of, it's almost a prototypical um, left back performance that we know from the rule. And while Melbourne City were, let's be honest, undermanned up front, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that they were, there was anything going on that was. What's the right word for this? I don't think that the raw did them any favors either. Like they didn't say, "Hey, let's." take it easy on the young striker. They made sure that he was really having to battle. Yeah, look, um, and that's the thing is that, yeah, that defense, like in the middle, they, they really did a job on, on Lock and Wiles, mate, sort of really sort of came down his opportunities. But I think also as well, 
the performance from um, to them to, to limit uh, Richard Delat and Scott Jamison down the wings. So I always I said last week that I thought that the game was going to be won or lost down the down the flanks. They let Delat and Jamison you know really sort of control the area. Raw going to be in trouble, and they really didn't allow them to um to get much. I think Delat had one good chance sort of early in the first yeah. half, but other than that, um. Yes, very unsighted. And we've seen in the past two weeks that Raw's really struggled against teams who've played a back three. We think um, Wellington did that. Um, the Wander- oh, well, um, Perth did that as well, and they really mm. had some great success. But for the first time this season, John obviously found a solution to it. He found a way to make, get the team to function well playing against a team playing a back three, and I thought they did really well with that. More of a counter-attacking style, but it worked. And the one player that I really want to single out as well, because obviously, you know, in the interest of fairness, we thought maybe he's had some below-par moments early on, but Matt Mackay, yep. all yep. of a sudden, number 10 superstar. He was very, very good in that number yep. 10 role with Lopez and Christensen behind him. Busy, he always pushed up as a striker at times, particularly defensively playing in a two, but he was very, very good in that role. And I think if he's going to feature in the team going forward this season, that might be the best way to utilise him. And there were some very, very well-placed passes as well, yep. like trying to play Eric Bortiak and... Toby Mickelson through on the wings, and even uh, Adam Taggart as yeah. well. Some last-ditch tackles from City to some nice some of those chances as well. Absolutely. There could have been even more opportunities from coming from that. Yeah, well, just one last general thought from me. Harrison Delbridge from Melbourne City. Can we sign him? He was phenomenal in, at times. Do we have to? He was the one, well, he was the one yeah. that made the save with his face. He, um... <laughs> He he started to grow into it. Like he was sort of he had a few moments sort of, you know, back into last season, even early in this season. But he he um he looking at the stats, he does lead the league in, in sort of, you know, clearances and 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 whatnot, you know, sort of at those contested balls sort of into the box. So obviously he's doing he's doing well. Um probably even outshining sort of, you know, Bart Schenkerbelt at the moment. So it, he's he's a, a good force, but also as well just on the raw side of things, another player I thought deserved a lot of credit and I think we're getting seen that starting to see the best of him now is Alex Lopez. You now he yeah. he was also very, very good. You know, his passing, you know, it, it was spot on. It's yeah, like I said, it's it's the midfielders working harmony at the moment. So they're obviously very happy with things. Let's hear from the coach, John Aloisi, in his post-game press conference. Uh, we, uh, when I spoke uh, yesterday in here, I said that we worked for the last 10 days um, in preparing to beat Melbourne City. We, we believed we were going to win. And, uh, and that's why when they asked me if I was panicking, I said, no, no chance. We've got the side to do it. And, uh, and I thought, especially first half, we created a lot of uh, clear openings and uh, the goals were going to come. Um, and in the second half, we, you know, we we scored that second goal and, and really killed the game off. Yes, they had a lot of possession, but they didn't really hurt us. Um, they had that one with Wales that uh, he was on a bit of an angle, but I think that would have been hard for him to score from there. Young, he was in a good position, um, and you know we defended really well. I thought the the back four was good, midfield was good, and uh, we worked hard. So obviously that's a very happy John Aloisi there talking about the Raw's 2-0 win over Melbourne City. And I want to talk about the two goals now. So first one came from a corner and it was Adam Taggart making a fantastic near post run to flick home. My big complaint about it though, unfortunately this is going to buy us another five years of every football club in the world deciding that a short corner can work out. So you're, you're burying the lead here. A short corner actually came off, James. It was a very rare thing. But it, it was a very, it was a good variation because it was one of those where City were not paying attention. There was no pressure on the short mm. corner. So when there's no pressure on it, you can get closer and get a better cross in, and it showed it can actually, occasionally, once in a blue moon, work. I'm still very. And look, it was a good header corner. as well from Adam Taggart as well on the near post there. Yeah, very good, very good header, well executed. Header. 
And from memory, there was actually talk of a possible foul in the build-up to that goal. Or a handball, that's right. Yeah, there was a talk of possible handball, which there were a few uh, complaints still going on around me as the ball went into the box. And don't those talk complaints. About, don't talk about the three letters. What three letters? Exactly. A, B, C. I thought goal had four. <laughs> but yeah, it was a well-taken header from Taggart. And um, his second goal as well. That made it five from five this season. It was a really well-worked piece of play with uh, Alex Lopez feeding Taggart. Yeah, look, um, bo- both goals were, you know... Were, were very very well taken goals and you know and and that's the thing is is that if he had of it's amazing that you know he's he's five for five at the moment you know joint golden boot leader at the moment but you imagine if he was able to convert his goals you know in week one against Mariners because because he had a lot easier yeah. chances that he could put away you know how far he'd be out for how much better so things would be sort of the mood around the raw at the moment would have been so look I guess he, look he's a natural goal scorer we we knew that. And I think my only concern is at the moment that, you know, Raw have scored six goals this season. Yeah. Taggart's scored five of them. Um, look, we, unless, unless, he's, unless Taggart's going to score 40 goals this season, someone else probably will need to step yeah. up at some point. So while we're, it's good for the right at the moment, my only concern is that, you know, someone else needs to start scoring the goals as well. I am 100% on board with that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm actually... taking w- the words out of my mouth on that. But I'm actually also wondering if there's a little bit of a concerted effort right now to get Adam Taggart rolling. We've wondered before, mm. is he how much of a confidence player is he? So now that he's got five and five, including a brace in his last yeah. game, one thing I've noticed, though, he's had a lot of chances. And there have been times where I've seen players like Mickelson and Bortiak make a conscious effort, what seemed to be a conscious effort, to feed Adam Taggart for a shot on goal when maybe they could have also taken... The only thing is, I'm not sure how many goals there are in the rest of the Raw team because yeah. Bocek's got three in 30-odd games now. Mickelson hasn't really looked like scoring goals so far yet. I mean, Enrique, we know he's always good for a goal, but I'm not sure how there's too many other actual goal-scoring options that on... you can look at and say he can get 10-plus goals. And you can't rely on you know 30-yard bombs from Alex Lopez yeah. like did Mudgy. You know. Maybe not, but what I'm wondering... But you also kind of figure that, you know, say Lopez picks up another three or four as the season goes along. Mickelson, as he integrates himself more with the team, I still think he's more than capable. That's his best he's played as well on Saturday. I think he's more than capable of getting, you know, seven to ten goals as well because we've seen him get into position now and he's one of those guys that has been making the effort to try and feed Taggart. So I'm wondering if as more and more defences drift towards Taggart, who is taking the bulk of the chances... Maybe that'll open up more opportunities for the wingers, the midfielders, whoever's playing as the yeah. number ten. At some point, someone's going to have to, because at some point, teams yeah. are going to say, "Look, we're just going to shut down Adam Taggart. You can't. He's not scoring today." And teams that's what we say, we're going to shut ago. him right yeah. down. And Look, I think, I think that's going to come us. Friday night. I think that's the way Adelaide, you know, will probably play it. You know, they'll just deploy Jakobsen and you know Elsie and whoever else they've got, and just try and take. Take take it out of the game, and I think that's sort of that's the Marco Kerr's way to yeah. a point, as as we saw in the FFA Cup, especially where they just just lock down teams, um, and um, and yeah, so I think the onus really straight away needs to come, and there's someone else to step up. For me, Eric Botiak's the key to it all. Yeah. I think if he starts scoring goals, we know he's capable of it. Yeah. Um, I think he needs to sort of you know, step up as well. But you know, at the moment things are great. At the moment, you know, Taggart is scoring. He seems to be getting you know a lot of room, and you know, and getting fed a lot of a lot of you know, possession, but at some point, one of the other attackers need to start finding the back of the net. I think a lot of the other attackers need to do it, yeah. but again, that's just, that's just one question that I'm still going to have going forward is how much of it is a conscious effort to try and keep feeding Taggart and mm-hmm. get him on a roll? Anyway, we're going to keep moving on because there's another player who 
could potentially down the line be a factor in the goal scoring, uh, in the supporting goal scoring cast, and that's Stefan Morgan. He was left out completely. It was very interesting because he was obviously put up by the Raw for the media on um, Friday afternoon. Did you tell me to speak up or lift my microphone? But speak up because Adam and I are much louder than you. Okay, well they, <laughs> he was put up for the media up on Friday ahead of the game, and it was expected that he would play. But it was one of those where I'm led to believe it was um, a case of. It depended on how he pulled up after training on Friday on the Saturday morning, and unfortunately, he just didn't come up in time. So he'd probably be available on on um, Friday night in Adelaide, and if he is, he is another he, one of his former clubs. Yeah, another another former mm-hmm. club, but also somebody who's got goals in him. Yep. I think he's definitely a midfielder who'd score you a few goals. So and can also make that late run into the box, or as yep. I call it, the Cahill special. Well, we're talking about developing the next Tim Cahill. Well, <laughs> he was a pretty good attacking midfielder at Everton, right, Adam? He was. Really? Walkers and Everton, was he? That's a, that's news to me. Anyway, as, <laughs> as Scott has the very proud grin on his face right now, the other big absence, as we've mentioned, was Bruno Fornaroli. And we want to play this from uh, Warren Joyce's post-game. It was a question from... from, from Ed, Ed Jackson, Jackson, the um, AAP journalist. Yep, uh, about the absence of Fornaroli. So this is Warren Joyce. Um, the decision to leave You just picking a team to win the game tonight? Uh, do you feel like it's kind of backfired to not have Bruno here? There's lots of people saying, I guess, um, You just look at uh, the opposition, you look at us training, you evaluate everything, and you pick a team to uh, win a game, that's it. Is there, a, is there an issue there with Bruno? Is he still playing? No, you just, you know, like I said, you, you keep asking the same question, but. You know, you look at us. You look at the opposition. You look at the strengths and weaknesses. You look at us training. You decide on how you want to play, and then you pick what you think is the best team on the night to go on and win a game. So obviously, Warren Joyce is approaching that with a pretty straight bat. Now, apologies if the questions were a little bit quiet, but I wanted to include the whole conversation because that was, I would say, pretty telling. And I suppose Warren Joyce wasn't going to come out and say yeah, I really hate Bruno, or he gave me food poisoning, or something like that. Yeah, Warren he? Joyce isn't really the coach to give too much away in his press conference. Some coach will go into detail and explain things other coaches, just give you limited responses, and Warren Joyce is certainly in the latter category. Yeah, well, I remember at the FFA Cup back in mm. August, wasn't it, when yeah. I said, oh, you must love playing out at Dolphin Stadium, you're two for two here, and just straight back, yeah. back up, straight back through. But yeah, that was really interesting, and some of the reports that have come out in the previous few days uh, about yeah. what's going on with Bruno Fornaroli. Failing skin fold tests and transfers that didn't go through to Sydney FC and all the rest of it. One of them's got to be true, right? Yeah. Something's, well, yeah, well, one of them is. Smoke, it's on the internet, it has to be. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, it's, uh, yeah, there's something not right. And you can, you can tell that, and I think it might be something deeper than that. You know, look, you know, Warren Joyce can deny it all he wants, but there seems to be something deeper because as I said at the top of the show, Something's not right with Melbourne yep. City at the moment, especially since since week one after they won the derby. Something's not right, and I think, yeah, I, I'm not sure what's going on. I don't want to really speculate because it's not some of our expertise, but look, there's something not right, and they need to yeah. fix it fast because, it's like I said, they're going in the wrong direction. For a side that good on paper, it's just not happening at the moment. I'll speculate slightly and say it's, as a club, where's their ambition to actually win something? They've been talking for a long time about they want to develop players and bring through the next young Australian player, but do they really want to win the A-League? Do they actually really want to win silver or do they just want to develop players? I wonder if that's part of Bruno's frustration. He sees other teams improving, getting better around him, 
and City maybe not to the level he thinks they should. And he and just continuing on that train of thought, he sees Mel, uh, Melbourne victory bringing in players like Case K Honda and Ola Toivonen, and yeah. yeah, he's got Luke Bratton, who just, may also not may or may not be in Warren Joyce's good books, although he played on Saturday. Yeah, that's it. All right, so t- uh, one final point is the two raw debutants that came on late in the game. Yes. Steph Negro was uh, number one four two. Yes, playing on the right wing is good, all good utilities do, right? Left back right, one week, right wing the next. I think I think I thought he might have been lost there from <laughs> so far up, but no. Look, uh, Negro, I guess yeah, like I see he's that utility role, so it's like I said in garbage time. So, mm. and the other sub was one that uh, we've had quite a few comments about online, and that's Dylan Wenzel Halls. He was on for the final two minutes, and. I think there might be a few people disappointed that he didn't score with how well they've talked him up. I'll tell you what, when he when he started charging to the defence, I did wonder what was going to happen. Oh. Yeah. I was actually said to Adam, just can we have a free kick just outside the box and let's recreate the NPL Grand Final? <laughs> yeah. That would have been amazing. Oh, so we, that, yeah. that might have been the transfer overseas, just there on that 10 I, seconds of how it happened. Absolutely. I, we, um, we, had, we had Simon Smale behind us in the uh, box, and he would have been excited if we, if we had have, uh, had deja vu if, uh, <laughs> from, from that. But... Uh, yeah, look, uh, yeah, probably one of the more anticipated debuts, I think, um, and it'll be interesting to see how number 143 sort of progresses. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot to look forward to, obviously. like It seems like everyone's optimistic about the potential of a player like Dylan Wenzel-Halls, and we only hope that he can continue to develop. It's just great to see a young player who performs so well in the state league get the opportunity. Especially after having an initial stint yeah. with the Roar mm. and then needing to go down a level and work his way back up, so... It's going to make for a fantastic book one day. It will. Well, what, whatever the kids do now, is it a Netflix series? It'll, yeah, <laughs> while books are out, no one reads books these days. Uh, fair enough. Mm-hmm. And we should also say, I did miss most of uh, the, Dylan's time on the pitch because I was heading out for fan cans. But big thanks to everyone that participated in our first edition. And we'll be back at the next home game, uh, December 14th, after they play Melbourne Victory. We'll send you a DVD of the highlights of Dylan Wendell Hall's debut. I think there may already be some. (laughs) All right. So that's going to be it for segment one. We'll be back after this to talk about the Youth League and W League. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here for the DFS Fan Network. And we should probably take a break from our NFL talk and get back to segment two. (laughs) It was a good chat, though. Yeah. I'm I'm in a good mood after the NFL this weekend, which is nice. So, so am I. My fantasy team's kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. Swear jar? Oh, that's, that's not, not a swear. That's not swear. Come on. We've got to get, it's got a low threshold here. We've got to get oh. someone else to contribute to it anyway. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, segment two, we have National Youth League and W League. Now, yep. there was the Youth League in action Sunday afternoon out at Ipswich. And good news, there didn't seem to be any imminent weather threats. Oh, there were some dangerous clouds. I wouldn't say there was an imminent threat. It also rained at some point, didn't it? Yeah, it actually did. I was Yeah, it rained on my way out there, I can tell you that much. Yeah, I was at a birthday lunch for my grandma and just heard thunder in the background going, this isn't going to end well for you guys. <laughs> no, it went, went around. I think I saw one big lightning strike. That's about it. So, Yeah. But on the pitch, it was actually quite a good game, wasn't it? As the Roar and Adelaide United drew 2-2 and... There were quite a few A-League players involved as well. Shannon Brady, Joe Coletti, Nick D'Agostino and Aaron Reardon. And if you throw in Daniel Leck as well, who's A-League capped. Um, but um, yeah, look, it was a um, very, very entertaining 
contest, I'd say, especially sort of late in the game. Um, it really did take off. Open. Yeah. Because, mm. uh, oh, yeah, Adelaide opened the scoring through Berich. And yeah, Cinco Berich. Yep. Uh, Daniel Legg managed to equalise just after an hour. And then there is one of my favourite players on Adelaide, Pacific Nyong'a Bear. Nyong'a Bear. Yeah, remember last year with his <laughs> second half against Thoreau? Yes, I do remember yeah. him abso- absolutely destroying them. Him and his good mate, Aladdin Nirabona, who wasn't there, thankfully, on <laughs> Saturday. But How long have you been practising saying that name? I, a long time. That's why I've got it right in front of me too. That's the reason why I've got out the the um, team sheet just purely for that. But to make sure you got it right. Yeah. 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 But again, like you mentioned, the took the lead early. Adelaide. Um. Again, the Raw's A League slow start seemed to translate to the Youth League because it was just from a, a throw in, a seemingly no consequence, and they just switched off. Just, a goal just came from absolutely nothing, and they were left to chase the game and. It took them a while to get into it. I mean, it seemed to me that they were struggling for fluency just with the amount of A-League players dropping in. It seemed like they hadn't really worked as much together as you would have liked, but once they got going, they really did get going. And some really good interplay between um, D'Agostino and Muradovic to set up Lech for the equaliser. So they started to click about half an hour into the game, I'd say. Got better towards the end of the first half and the second half, they were really good. Did that probably you know, happen with the A-League players inserting the, exerting their influence a little bit more? Odd. It's difficult to say because there was so many of them in the front third. It's just, I don't know how much time they had working together on things. I mean, Drew Sherman in his post-game, which we'll get to, said they're all the same structure, so it shouldn't have had an impact, but it seemed to me like it did. It's I could seemed, be wrong. But. It seemed like in the second, like, first half it was very, very structure-based and there was just a lot of ramp passes, a lot of, you know, missed sort of opportunities, you know, and sort of, you know, a bit of frustration creeping. The second half seemed more like, it was almost like saying that for the better the better players, you know, go out there and actually show your stuff, and and that's what seemed to be a seemed to be, you know, where you know D'Agostino seemed to to dominate a lot more. He played he played number ten yep. I, I, by looks of things, um, and um, and yeah, look, I think sort of once they got that equalised, that sort of the momentum started rolling with them, and then the free kick uh, that uh, Nyonga Bari scored uh, then sort of put on the heels, but the response was actually was quite good. Yeah. And almost instantaneous. Yes. Mm. Two minutes later, was a great run down the right-hand side from Leighton Brooks, and Shannon Brady was there to tap at home, and he did really well. He actually almost scored again two minutes later in the last minute of normal time. And Which I think might have actually made a certain Twitter personality's <laughs> head explode. Yes, it just might have, because it would have been top corner if it had gone in, it was, but it hit the side netting, unfortunately, yeah. for Shannon. And was it, one of the, was it one of those times where half the ground thought it might have gone in? I, it, from probably, our angle, I think it was. I thought yeah. we could have been... <laughs> Oh, don't you love those yeah. ones into the side netting? <laughs> All right. So, overall, good performance, bad performance? It wasn't too bad. I mean, there was certainly things to like about it. Um, probably the start wasn't great, but they got better as it went on. And you'd say that the draw was probably a fair result because both sides had their moments in the game. And the draw actually could have nicked it right at the end. They had the ball in the net, but it was ruled out for offside. And from our vantage point, right down the other end of the ground, it was very, very difficult to judge but. I'm not so how the linesman saw offside, but anyway. It's just a cascade of bodies from our vantage point. Yeah. So, uh, but look, um, I guess it would sort of take into perspective that, you know, Youth League is a lot of it is about development. It's not always about the result. Um, look, I think it was a fair performance. You know, I, I thought some of the younger guys as well, I thought Leighton Brooks, when he came on, I thought was very, very good. Uh, Macklin Freakle, 
as always, you know, two goals he conceded, you know, there's not much he could do. But, you know, he did make a couple of good yeah. saves. So his his development, I think, as, you know, potentially uh, a backup keeper behind Jamie Young, I think that's that's on target. And look, overall, I think I think it was a fair performance. But I think the only thing missing was the three points in, in terms of results. You mentioned on target um, for Macklin Frake to move into the first intensity. I think um, Aaron Ridden did himself no harm either mm. with his performance. I'm yeah. not sure where he would rate in terms of the centre-backs. We know, obviously, Pepper, Papadopoulos and Bowles are ahead of him. Where Devere ranks in that situation, who knows? But he's Ridden was really, really good on Sunday, and I think Truen's a good young player as well, Kai Truen. Well, I want to touch on Aaron Ridden right now. And If you are comparing him to like where he stands compared to Luke Devere... Mm-hmm. Say he keeps uh, performing in the youth league, because DeVere's on the last year of his contract, correct? I believe so. So, potentially, I think Reardon's got two years? I'm not sure how long he's signed for, but you probably would say he's got two years, given you don't really bring young players in on a one-year deal. So. Yeah, so you sign, so potentially you work at signing Reardon. At what point do you just say, yep, Reardon is now number four? Was it after the youth league season? Uh, highly possible. I mean, Luke Devere doesn't seem to be playing much football this season at all, really. He didn't seem to feature a great deal in the preseason. And he's not popping yep. up with an injury on the team list. No, he's either. not popping up with an injury, and he's not featuring in this side. So you'd have to say maybe Aaron Reardon is, would be ahead of him if there was an injury crisis at the Raw. Knock on wood, it doesn't happen. But if it does, thank you, that's better than mine. My knocking. But anyway, I'd, maybe he would be ahead of Luke Devere. Fair enough. All right, now we're going to close out our Youth League portion of this segment with an interview with uh, Drew Sherman after the game. You must be pleased with the fight back from your side then, the second half. Yeah, I think obviously it shows a little bit of character. We can see late on, but then uh, the boys keep going and they, they, um, you know, they get the equalising goal. So, yeah, that's pleasing. It's always tough conditions um, when, it's, when it's these sort of temperatures. And I think, you know, to be fair to us, we... Uh, we kept playing our structures. It's, we play a high-tempo game, so it was always going to be a drain for us to keep going and uh, shows their fitness levels, really, when we can score a goal that late on to, to get a point. And you know what? We, we probably should have nicked it in the end. Well, you had a number of changes from last week, so was it difficult with so many changes from players dropping back from the early side to get some fluency in the first half? No, uh, no, I don't think so. I think that's... Um, you know, the reality of this league being a development league, you, you, you're going to have a variety of players play. Uh, based on their individual needs, um, they they work together. The structures are exactly the same first team level um, and, and with the youth team. So there's no excuse really to not have a good start. The the things that the boys work on on a on a daily basis. So we're very disappointed with the start that we had in that game and uh, a couple of players who are sort of coming back from injury looked a little bit rusty. The pleasing thing is after 10-15 minutes, you know that that sort of. Um, you know, we sort of got through that phase, and after that, you know, I thought we were dominant really, and only only danger was when we got tired on late on with the counter attack. Yeah, oh, you got a week off now. Have your next game anything in particular you're going to work on between now and then? Uh, listen, we we just we work on our structures, and we we go over those time and time again. So it's refining, it's continuous improvement, uh, it's working with individuals about uh, developing their own game, um, and then let's see how what they've learned by the time we play Perth at home. You know, we 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 know a little bit about them and. They know about us, so it means that we're going to have to be better at what we do because uh, they'll expect what we do. Um, but it will be a good test for them. Was it nice to have good local support here at Ipswich Nice today? Yeah, I think the games like this, when you get the opportunity to take um, you know, take the, the matches out into different areas of the community, uh, it's always great to have a, a, a nice turnout and um, you know, pleased in that to see the, the support that the Raw has in, in, the, you know, in the areas that are outside Brisbane. It, it's something that um, you know, we're very keen to, to engage the community as a club and 
Today was a perfect opportunity to do that out here in Ipswich. And that's Drew Sherman after the 2-2 draw in the Youth League. But now we're going to move on to the women's competition. And the Aurora back after their bye week. This Thursday night in Newcastle. And they're playing Newcastle Jets not at number two sports ground. Yep. Instead at the much more conveniently named McDonald Jones Stadium because of the playing surface. I yep. don't know if it was better or worse worse than what we saw at Spotless Stadium well, on the weekend, but... I can tell you they released a statement a couple of weeks ago in Newcastle. This was before previous games. It's in, cons- in consultation with the City of Newcastle. Newcastle Jets can confirm the transfer of two upcoming matches due to delays in the rejuvenation of the playing surface at number two sports ground. So okay. I'm assuming they're still rejuvenating the playing surface. How, by singing to it? I'm not sure. No. I don't know. When I... they're done, they can go down to the so-called spotless or not-so-spotless stadium and rejuvenate the patchy, that patchy stadium oh, yeah so, go rejuvenate that one next either way so it should be at McDonald's Jones Stadium it's a th- Thursday night a Thursday night game yeah. so yeah why not put it on, why not put it yeah. in the feature thing hmm. anyway Newcastle have won their last four games against Brisbane yes yeah, despite own. the fact that the run sheet says they've played 8-1-6 lost 2 in Newcastle well, Wait, not, all, not all were in Newcastle. What are you talking no, about? They, that they, was... they, they tell, the Newcastle tell the roar up uh, last year at AJ Kelly. That's right. I yes. can't read. You can't read. Good to know. Yeah, that all my stats are wrong. Both are entirely possible. <laughs> <laughs> I know which one I'm hoping for. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah. All-time record against Newcastle. Played 13-1-7. Lost 5. Drawn 1. The last Raw win was in 2014-15, round 3. It was yes. a 3-2 victory. Quite a bit has changed since then. It has a lot. Lots changed. And Except Adam's... Claire Polkinghorn, she's still there. Yeah, well, Claire's still there. Yeah, but it's been a long time since the have beaten them, and they were really, really good up here last year in Newcastle. Remember, Emily Van Egmond had an absolutely superb game for Newcastle. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron Gillian uh, yeah. scored a hat trick. And... The Raw had a bunch yeah. of chances that day, just didn't fall for them. So it was a really odd one. But Van Egmond and Gillian were fantastic for Newcastle in taking their chances that the Raw didn't, and hopefully on Thursday night, the tables are turned. Fingers crossed. Yeah, so they've had a week off, and we were talking about this last week. The amount of work that they can get in now with, like that, with that time off. Obviously, I kind of looked at it and thought that those first few weeks were going to be an extended preseason, basically. And now it feels like they've got to put their foot down. Yeah, look, this this competition again is we've said time and time again. This competition is so tight at the moment, and one misstep and. You know, results-wise, and it could be curtains already. You know, it is, and so you'd hope that you know any like coming out of the bye, it's, it's been a fairly interrupted preparation because you know had the international break, the one game, you know, the bye, now another game. So it's only two games in four weeks. So you'd hope that you know Melandretta and, and the side have really sort of taken have put the time to use because, yeah, like I said, they really cannot afford to drop many more points. The way this competition is going at the moment, I'm confident they will as well. I mean. I'm expecting a much more improved, fluent performance in the front third. And if that happens, defensively, they've always been strong and they should be able to win this game. Because Newcastle, as consistent as they are, I don't think they're as good a side as the Raw. This will be the first chance that the two big imports really have to work together and Mm. try and develop a combination. Like, obviously, we saw Nagasoto in the game out at Lions. Mm -hmm. But now, like, they've had two weeks of training together and hopefully they'll at least... They have a bit, bit of a better idea of who's running where. Absolutely. I mean, they weren't terribly out of sync at Lions either. It's just there's small little things. When you haven't played with a player before, you don't understand necessarily what movements they like to make. Do they want the pass on their right foot or their left foot? Absolutely. Are they going to make the run in behind? Are they going to come short? That, sort of thing. So that, two the, weeks yeah. to iron out a few of those things, they should be all the better for it. 
especially a lot of the way the raw front sort of, I guess, four or five, the way they play a lot of, you know, switching around and yep. whatnot. It's it's a very, very intricate sort of, you know, patterns and whatnot. So, yeah, that, that was always good. We always thought that would take time to bed down. But, like, once, once they get in sync... Yeah, the goals will flow, and I think that's why I guess it's not panic stations yet, but they need to start soon because, unfortunately, they're a bridge season, and you know a couple of unfortunate results so far, as well as other results. Yeah, a loss or two unexpectedly, and this, like I said, this season's gone. You say that, but there's another teams have got off to a slow start. I mean, Sydney FC got off to another slow start. They lost at home to Melbourne Victory at the weekend, and Melbourne City are in a bit of trouble as well. So there's other teams who you would expect to be up near. The top at the end of the season are struggling as well. So, but you also don't want to get into January and be thinking, like thinking you need to be the most desperate of the chasing yep. pack. Yeah. Absolutely. But anyway, something to look forward to Thursday night, and that's about it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this to go into our news segment. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. James Scott and Adam here coming to you on a Tuesday, so don't adjust your phone calendars. We just had to record a day earlier this week because I'm going away this weekend. So yeah, someone had better things to do. Yes, I do. Yes. How dare you? I know, I'm going to see my parents <laughs> and they're then going away as well, so it really worked out well. Yes, a weekend, by, a week by the, the beach is not a part of it at all, is it? Never. I don't know, I'm going where they found bull sharks the other week, so I probably should be careful. <laughs> That's a great photo op, though. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Anyway, segment three, uh, we're going to go into our top news stories, and we're going to lead off with something that had Scott frothing at the mouth late, late last wait, week. Wait, what? With rage. Oh, okay. Frothing at the mouth. Okay. Not with the rabies, that was something different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but John Aloisi said in an interview, uh, he feels the best way forward for Australian football is for the A-League to scrap the salary cap and introduce transfer fees. Mm-hmm. First of all, totally on board with transfer yeah. fees. Make it happen. Well, we've talked about this... How many times have we talked about this before? I remember in our first season, I came on this show and said, scrap the salary cap and bring in a luxury tax. Like what we've got in the NBA. And... Yeah, let's set it at $5 million and any team who spends over has to pay back tax to the league, which gets distributed around to either run the league or goes to the other teams, whoever you want to do it, that's fine. But just if teams want to spend all that money, let them do it. If they think they can, it helps them, let them do it. But you have to be very careful because some teams cannot afford it. You don't want them to be overextending themselves. That's the only concern. But but if teams have the actual money to go out and do it, then let them do it. Were, like, I'm very much in favour of the luxury tax as well. I remember hearing Mike Cockrell talking about it yep. three, four years mm. ago or something. And it does make sense that you're going to let the clubs like, as we were talking about in segment one, Melbourne City, who have yep. the ability to spend all that money. You've got yep. Melbourne Victory that are running at a pretty yep. solid profit. Yep. And Sydney FC, I'm fairly certain, are bringing in yeah. decent money too, it, let them spend it, the money. It doesn't guarantee success either. You look at a baseball difference, what the New York Yankees have been continually, yeah. if not at the, the, as the Boston fan last, but you look at them, they've been <laughs> perennially either the highest payroll or right up there, and they've won one championship in nearly 20 years. So it's not a guaranteed mark of success that you spend the most you win. Yes, I am a big fan of that Cinderella story of the Boston Red Sox who have the second highest payroll. <laughs> <laughs> And then decide to win the championship this year. But no, you're right. It Beating the Yankees along the way, I believe, anyway, right? Yeah, it was great. Yeah. But taking it back to football, yeah, you're right. It's not going to guarantee success. And it also, I feel, is going to reward clubs like Central Coast who might be better served essentially being a production line yeah. 
tapping into that local junior market, yeah. give them some incentive for it. Like as long as see- they um, meet certain criteria in terms of spending money themselves. Well, you can't just spend like $2 pool. million dollars and collect the, collect the um, almost welfare. That's not going to work. You've got to wait. Maybe you have to spend at least $4 million. Yeah. So well, I think the Sour Cup now is only 2.3, so you might yeah. have to read. Oh, more or less, yeah. But do something like that, because yeah. you still need the salary floor. You're still going to need minimum salaries for players and everything. But, yeah, why not? But that I would say also for the heart attack. Sorry, Adam, I know you're wanting to talk no, right no, now. No, Sorry, yeah, go no, ahead. no, I'm good. Adam is actually here. Just Scott and I are very passionate <laughs> on this. Yeah. Year. But, yeah, the transfer fees would reward those clubs for youth development, and yeah. the salary floor still... Requires them to spend so, enough yeah. to. So one last thing before I let Adam speak on the transfer. <laughs> it's not the A League clubs who nearly need the fees. It's the MPL teams. If you're getting yes. a player from the State League, they should be more compensated than they currently are in yep. terms of their, what they're putting into the player. Anyway, go ahead. Oh look, actually, to be honest, uh, I haven't really got much to add on that. Oh, look, I just think um, whatever whatever system they come up with now, and that comes with the new, you know, the new operating structure of the A League. It's just it's got to be better than what it is now. Like I think, look, John Ellis is right. It is the salary cap as we know it is restrictive. I don't think you can just go, you know, open up the checkbooks and say, you know what, have at it. I think you've got to have controls. Otherwise, we may only have four, four or five teams left in the competition. Yeah. But in, at the end of the day, I still think it needs to be more open market. I've always said, personally, that if there is going to be a salary cap, you, you, you cap the Australian players, but, you go, but you're allowed to go and spend, you know... You go and spend out on your, mar- on your marquees and your foreign players. At, at the end of the day... Um, yeah, look, it's it's a case of, you know, yeah, you know, you want to try and attract the best players, and and look, while while you're trying to promote talent and whatnot, if you have a bigger market, a bigger pool, that's where you know your Australian players are going to sort of prosper and you know get the development rather than yeah. rather for them competing, giving you know, for a salary against say a visa player. And people have said the A League can't attract quality players. Well, you look at. That's a total load. It is because Olatoyevin hmm. and Keseke Honda both played in the World Cup in Russia in June. June. Um, Adam Lafonda was an excellent player in the UK, and if you look, believe reports, Fernando Torres was very, very close to signing for Sydney FC. So, if there's no salary cap, maybe they're able, they would be able to get that deal done. So, does, the A League can attract quality players. Hmm. There's no doubt about that. And I know it sounds like a bit of a cop out, but let's be honest: who wouldn't want to come and live in Australia during summer? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. You know, at the end of the day, and like I said, when, when I say it, you, you, you sort of... That's how Christmas decorations falling down in the background. My wife has been very busy this week. Jeez, get the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to claim that James has been ripping down the Christmas decorations because he's a humbug. There's no doubt about that. Big dumb humbug. <laughs> anyway, Adam, you were saying... Yeah, that, you know, and when I say, you know, sort of cap your Australian players, but not so restrictive that, you know, so restrictive that, you know, that they can't make a living. You know, you, you want, like I said, you'd almost, if you could spend, you know, three or four million dollars across, say, you know, 20 players, and obviously your best Australian players will get financially rewarded without having to feel as though they have to leave, you know, they have to leave the country, you know, to to make money elsewhere. You know, obviously and there's to be always a train on in a train on squad in Europe. Yeah, exactly. There there is obviously ambition sometimes and always you know, the, you're gonna have those, you know, those young players that, you know, will go overseas for the development side of things. But you know, what you don't want seeing is Australian players going off to say Malaysia or, you know, somewhere like that but just because they can't they can't get what they're worth in our local competition. That's and that's why if, you, if if the clubs aren't trying to balance their books, trying to pay foreign players as well as Australian players, maybe then you know the, these Australian players can actually make more money in what they're, they're worth. I'm not. A, I've actually heard some suggestions of let's just ditch the 
foreign players altogether and create new jobs for Australians. And I go, that's all well and good. And what happens right, when nobody... The foreign players have added nothing to this league at all, have they? Mm. I would actually almost argue that the quality <laughs> recruits have made, what, exactly. made the league what yeah, it is. Yeah. But it is one of those points where... Look, I think we're all in agreement here. Something needs to be yep. modified with the A-League to help break it out of what has been a pretty decent slump the last yep. few years. Maybe make Sydney FC stop winning everything. <laughs> but that's just the Brisbane fan in us, of course. As long as victory don't start picking up all the wins. Well, Somebody outside of those would be good. In all seriousness, can you imagine how much money the Raw would have made had they been able to sell even half of those players to victory that Victory of signed. <laughs> yeah, well. Well, would Victory of signed if they actually had to pay for them? That's a good point. I will say the one thing I did find quite ironic about John Lewis's reasoning behind... Because like, we all agree with what he said about the salary cap going, but competing in Asia as a reason for scrapping it. I'm not sure the Roar are in the best position to be arguing about competing in Asia given what happened back in January. Well... I wouldn't have. I wouldn't be bringing up the Champions League yeah. if I was at Brisbane Roar right now. Yeah, that's one of those... Uh, I think you're fine. I think it's fine fine that that he's sort of saying that, you know, he can't compete wage-wise. Like, I can almost guarantee you that the Raw players are making more money than (laughs) Ceres Negros players. So I think that's a a bit of a thing as far as that goes. I was just beaten that night. But, um... Yeah, but look. Then again, you know, look, we're never gonna, we're never gonna be able to. Well, I don't think we'll ever be able to compete against, say, the the squeens of dolls that you know the Chinese corporations are putting into football. You, you wouldn't know. have thought so, but, would you? But yeah. apparently, there are measures being put in place to limit the influence of that as well. So, I look, mm, but yeah. I do agree that there's always ways around those things, James. Just ask Man City. Yeah. Well, what I was about to say there was, I also do feel like there's probably a little bit more. I think maybe the difference would be. After you, because there is such a long turnaround from when you qualify for the Champions League to when you actually play in it, because yeah. of the way the Australian season is set yeah. up and moving it to winter is yeah. a suicide move, if you ask me. Yeah. I honestly think, you know, maybe it just gives you that little bit of extra flexibility to keep players that do, yeah. that do a, well. That's a good point. If you are in the Champions League and you don't have a salary cap situation, you're not you're not losing players because of you can't afford them in the salary cap. So maybe you would be able to keep your squad together and add to it to prepare for the Champions League, which might result in better performances. That's a good point. Yeah, that's just something that pops into my head. Anyway, we're going to move on to story number two now. Okay. And that is Chris Fong has been named Vice Chairman of the Australian Professional Football Clubs Association with Western Sydney owner Paul Lederer, the new chairman, replacing Mm -hmm. Adelaide's Greg Griffin. Yes, it was very interesting. I haven't heard that name Chris Fong for a long time and... When I saw it on Twitter, yes, I wondered what had happened. Is we something happening with the Roar in terms of mispayments or something or whatever? Because that's the sort of stuff that pops into your mind when you see Chris Fong's name come up, given his history. But it's an interesting choice, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested to see what happens. Like, yeah, the Wanderers owner though. That's yeah. that's a pretty big move. Yeah, look, um, I'm not I'm sure how much influence you know the the APFCA. Would have on sort of things, you know, especially again with the whole, you know, I suppose it may be a, a hark towards, you know, an independent A league, and this, this this would be the this would be the mob basically that would would run it, you yeah. know, a bit, a bit like a board of governors, if not. And at the end of the day, I think an independent A league would probably look like basically, you know, ten equal stakes yeah. in the league or twelve, you know, by then, you know, with expansion. So Commissioner Paul Lederer, mm. sounds good to me. 
As long as it's not Commissioner Roger Goodell, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, look, at the end of the day, it, it, it is a focus group. I, I, for all our sort of grievances of Chris Fong's part, I think at the end of the day, it's just a posting yeah. on a on a committee. You know, whether he can bring up good or yeah. good ideas, you know, time will tell. But um, it's more interesting yeah. the fact he's still yeah. involved with football and Brisbane Raw because I was, it seemed like for a couple of years there he would he'd been redeployed in some other part of the Backroos business model. I remember though it was mentioned he was back and involved, just not necessarily in a public-facing role. So it'll be interesting to see. All right. Um, I was going to ask you a question about Harry Kuehl, but instead I think we're going to pull a plug on segment three because, yeah, we can save that for another week. What are we going to ask about Harry Kuehl anyway? Could you see him coming back and coaching one of the expansion franchises? Sure. Yeah, I did read, a, did read an article about that. He'd be, he'd be, he'd be a good choice. I think um, at, the, at the end of the day, he's, he's, he's done his apprenticeship you know, in somewhat, so... No, it'd be it'd be a good addition. And despite yeah. all the jokes, I feel like the A League is a pretty decent step up over League Two. It would be also similar to what Tony Popovich did when he was at Crystal Palace as an assistant for a long time. I get that Harry Kuehl was the main head coach at Crawley Town and Notts County, I believe, but it's a very similar sort of path. And we saw what Popovich has done in the A League, so Kuehl might be a good choice for somebody. Absolutely. All right, that's going to be it for segment three of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back to preview the A League clash in Adelaide this Friday night right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review segment four. For here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. We've got some plugs to get to in a second, but first of all, we do need to address a little bit of breaking news that has come out while we were recording in true Brisbane Football Review style. Scott, what's yeah. happened? Well, in the last 15 minutes, the Newcastle Jets have announced the re-signing of Aaron Gillian, the player who scored the goals up at AJ Kelly Park last year for the Raw, uh, for Newcastle. Now, got married during the off-season. Aaron Wright has signed for the remainder of the 2018-19 season. And it goes on to say that Wright will be available for selection for the Cubs Westfield W League Clash this Thursday with the Brisbane Raw. And thank you very much for cleaning up what you said when you saw that announcement. <laughs> yeah, I won't repeat that. It's, a, it's the closest that we'd actually get to be a live show. Though. Yeah. It's breaking, some breaking news. But look, that's a, that's a big inclusion for um, for Newcastle. Um, and like I said, I think the task has got maybe a little bit tougher for um, the Raw defence on a Thursday night. Yes. So uh, if you... We're listening to segment two and probably getting a little bit confused about our references yep. to Aaron Wright. Yes. Yes. Or Gillian, as it was. Mm-hmm. That That's now... Uh, consider that now updated. Yes. All right. Now, a uh, quick uh, review of the plugs. Email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Facebook, The Raw Review. Twitter, at BNE Football. Instagram, non-existent. <laughs> Snapchat, I, I don't understand the no. value of Snapchat, I, so... I think we're too old for that. I don't see what value it would add to us, anyway. Yeah, what we do. I don't see the point in t- posting photos that are disappearing, but that's just me. <laughs> Not like it's my job or anything. That And then, um, yeah, podcasts, obviously, iTunes, Wooshka, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Radio Public. And, of course, sure. check out Daily Football Show as well, because they're the ones that helped us put all this together. And yeah. they do a good show as well, I suppose, especially when they had me on. <laughs> There's that narcissist back again. Oh, come on, it wasn't going away for too long, was it? <laughs> As my wife now looks at me with contempt, but I should probably be used to that. All right, segment four, Adelaide preview for the A-League. Friday night, 6.50 Brisbane time at Cooper's Stadium. The Raw did actually win down there last year in what was Matt Mackay's 250th Raw appearance, obviously not counting his time with strikers. And then... Uh, <laughs> the- <laughs> As Scott just got that reference. 
Good evening, Francis oh, Warth. That, that, was, that was a fun afternoon. Yeah, who would have thought that uh, you count strikers' stats in Brisbane Raw? Oh, don't explain <laughs> it. Anyway. Oh, don't you love Twitter? It's no fun <laughs> if you have to explain it. Yeah, well. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Adelaide. They've looked pretty good this season, just even if the results haven't necessarily followed uh, where, they are, where they are on the table. Yeah, look, um, when we saw them up here uh, against Lions in the FFA Cup, we thought they were fairly sort of, um, what's the word? They, they were sort of fairly disjointed, sort of disjointed yeah. But um, Michael Kurz was actually put together you know, a really, really formidable side. I think that their FFA Cup run, I think, really sort of, you know, has got them galvanised. And look, they're, they're going to be tough to unseat at home. They will be. They've been very, very solid, and they've actually found more goals in the side than I thought they would. Because I looked at them, I thought with DOR up front, there's a weakness there. But they've found plenty of goals. I mean, Goodwin's been consistent. They've got Ilso, and they've got other players around there who scoring the goals. Stamatopoulos as well. I mean, they've got some good players. But they do have they do have a pretty big hole right now at striker. Do you know anyone who might be coming available in the near future? (laughs) Hmm. Just, just. Do you reckon you'd like Adelaide? Do you reckon? Uh, I don't know. Not sure, not sure a lot of people. I'm not sure Leo Messi like Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm actually really interested about this because there are two Adelaide players that really stand out, and I'm, you know, going for the obvious players here with Isaias and Craig Goodwin. I feel like Isaias is probably going to have to really work at shutting down the influence of Alex Lopez. And He's going to have a great day hacking everyone in midfield and getting away with it, Alex Lopez. Um, I'm sorry, Isaias. He's going to have a great day of getting. Away. Hacking players down and getting away Especially with it. Especially if he's got his uh, who, me, sir? A Absolutely. Look, look he's perfect. got that act down pat, hasn't he? Or as I prefer to call it, the Richie McCaw. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm i very interested in seeing how that battle goes because I do think Alex Lopez could actually have the quality to maybe work his way around it. Mm-hmm. And the other player that I'm interested in is, as mentioned, Craig Goodwin. The main reason I'm interested is because like Goodwin's really that out-and-out attacking winger. So... Are the raw fullbacks going to have to sit a little bit deeper and not get as far forward as they were on Saturday night against Melbourne City? I'm not sure Conor O'Toole's game will be affected in that sense, but Jack Hinkett's game certainly will be. At right back against Craig Goodwin, it's going to be a very, very interesting battle that for, from for a tactic- Jack well, to take on because Craig Goodwin's been one of the informed players of the league this year. But from a tactical perspective, would were you, Marco Kurtz, would you actually consider possibly putting Goodwin out on the right to try and really go after a left-back who is very, very attacking. Maybe, but I think that kind of nullifies the strengths of Craig Goodwin when he's on the left-hand side with his left foot. I think he's been excellent out there. I wouldn't change that that around much at all. Maybe you might mix it up during play, but for the most part, I'd play him on the left. Oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just sort of yep. speculating right now, you know, what would I look at doing? And that's one thing I have noticed with the raw fullbacks pushing our set so, so high up. Yeah, look, that, that's one, one of the key battles will be, you know, that, that battle between Craig Goodwin and Jack Hingott down down that, um, I guess, the, the left edge, attacking edge, and you know, the right defensive edge. But also as well, I think you, you guys brought up before that um, that midfield battle between the two Spaniards, Alex Lopez and Isaias, that's that's almost going to be, you know, whoever controls midfield, as they invariably do in most games, is going to, you know, get, take a long step forward, you know, to winning this game. Because I think that's going to be a big battle. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Yeah, I, I honestly wouldn't make any changes to the starting eleven, even if no. Stefan Mork is healthy or Brett Holman. Who knows? Let's well, that's no, far less likely than Stefan Mork. But I, yeah, I would say Stefan Mork now would come back via the bench. I mean, and who would he replace on the bench? I mean, this is probably going to get me uh, yeah. yelled at by a few people, but I'd actually probably replace Dylan Wenzel Halls. 
I feel like this is probably the game where you need to maybe go a little bit more defensive and maybe having that extra body to shore up the midfield is going to come in a little bit more handy. And let's be honest, Enrique loves a goal against Adelaide. Now we pause to let the hate for James come in for saying drop Dylan Wendell Halls. BrisbaneFootballReview.gmail.com I'm just saying, there's a lot of... You've got a lot of options, and it's a wonderful position to be in right now where you can say, we've got... Like, we've got a talented attacker who we might just have to leave home for this. It's entirely possible. I was, it'd be either him or Stefan Negra, right? Depending on whether you want to go attacking or more defensive on the bench. But you'd say that it's 50-50. It's, do you want to go for the for the goals down there, or are you happy to to be more defensive-minded? I'd say you're probably right. It's more likely away from home against a tough side like Adelaide, you'd be more conservative in your approach. I, I think Dylan Wenzel Halls will go, but I think he'll be probably 18... Sorry, 17th man. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah 11 plus 5 is 16. So, yeah, I look. Is I, it I just, found math, so I would yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I look. I think that's probably where where it sort of goes up. I think yeah, you bring Stefan Mork on. Yeah, it, it, not only as a attacking option, yeah, in that midfield, but also you know defend as well. And I think this is a game where you know it's it's one of these games where you you go in you're thinking you know look you'd like to win, but I think the conservative approach will be you know try and not. You know, not concede early, especially the Roars sort of, sort of, you know, up until last week where they you know, conceded the most goals in the first half than any other side in the league. So I think the, again, I think if they can navigate the first half an hour, you know, without conceding, you know, sort of, you know, sort of controlling the game, I think that will put them in good stead for the rest of the game. But, um, Smash yeah. and grab for me. But yeah. just the way... It's been the Roars way. The more I think about it now, like, with obviously Christensen, Lopez and Mackay in midfield, that's a lot of... I would say veteran smarts that you can deploy yeah. there, and maybe yeah. they're the guys that can sort of control the game, take a little bit of the pace out of it, and try and slow it down. Although, just thinking, I mean, last time Matt McKay set foot on that field, he got sent off. I don't think he'll do anything that silly this time. <laughs> it's, it was the last two times they've been down that they've had a red card, so hopefully, mm. because Theo got a red card yeah. the year before. Oh so, yeah, that's right. Mm. The, uh... So hopefully they can get through ninety minutes this time without getting someone sent off. That's it. All right, now. Adam, you actually had a question for John Aloisi in his press conference on Saturday night. Do you want to set this up for everybody? Oh, look, uh, just uh, a rare question I could get out there. But uh, basically, look, I asked, I asked a question that, you know, how important was the win on Saturday night against Melbourne City in respect to the two road games we've got coming ahead? Yeah, it was really important uh, to, to get our first win because you could see that we're still, you know, even when we're tuning love, we're still a little bit anxious because, you know, we haven't had that win. Um, but, you know, we're a good team away from home, just as, as much as we're at home. We, we showed that uh, last week when we played uh, against the Wanderers in Mudgee. You know, from two goals down, after that we dominated and uh, were the better side and got back to 2-2. So that gave us uh, the confidence to play and win tonight, but also that away from home we can, we can play just as well. And that's John Aloisi there talking about the uh, upcoming road trip. Now... This is, first, yeah, first of two games. Obviously, we've got Adelaide this week and Newcastle next. Starting off with Friday night, Scott, what are you expecting? I think this could be a very, very tight game. Adelaide is a side who don't give many chances, and the Roar is a side who play on the counter-attack. I think this could be a, a low-scoring game, a goal in it either way. Adam? Yeah, look, I think, um, yeah, it's going to be a case of one chance, maybe, maybe it. I think I think the, the Adelaide defence is going to really hone in on Adam Taggart, because considering what he did to to uh, Melbourne City, I think they're not going to allow that. And I think, you know, it's going to be the centre-backs are going to really, you know, I think it'll probably be Jakobsen and Elsie if I, 
and correct there. Uh, and Jakobsen's been a real pain for, for the Raw when they've played against him as well. Yeah, so look, I think I think you know when we, what we'll talk about in segment one about you now it's going to be important that someone you know someone else other than Adam Taggart scores the goals, and maybe they make it one chance, and they need they probably need to take that because again, I I can see this being a smash and grab operation if they're going to take all three points. Personally, I think probably will probably a draw will be a good yeah. good result. You mentioned in segment one, I thought it was a smash and grab last time. Absolutely. Um, was it Ben Calfalo who scored? Yeah, it was. And, um, and Macaroni. Yeah, Macaroni. Oh, was it two? I don't remember they, the first goal. It was 2-1. Uh, yeah. I think they pounced on two mistakes. Yeah. So yeah. Obviously, some good memories for that as well. Yes. All right. Um, yeah, for me, if the Raw win, it's going to be 1-0. And if Adelaide win, there's probably going to be four or more goals. Oh, Cap- gee, that's an encouraging thought. Whoa. No, I mean it totally oh, goes in the game. Okay, okay. Like I, I feel like it could finish, you know, three one, three two, or something like that. Okay. Like because I, I feel like Adelaide are going to come out and set up to try and score. Obviously, they're at home on a Friday night. I feel like they're going to put it, try and put on a show. And yeah, for me, it simply just comes down to how well they can nullify the influence of uh, Isaias and Craig Goodwin. Yeah. Adelaide have had a lot of home games early in the season as well. They need to start making them count. Who do they think they are, Perth? <laughs> well. And First, got at back end of the season, all right. As you know, they played home every week. What are you talking about? Exactly. And yeah. just uh, one final shout out as well. Um, I think we've got a big. Uh, it seems like a decent um, away presence. I know it's uh, RSF uh, sort of they're, they're sort of promoting sort of away game, and uh, I know our friend of the show of show Tegan's going to be down there. So yeah, uh, if, she's anywhere near the, if she's yeah. anywhere near the effects, Mike, you will hear her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, no, look, uh, but we always seem to get decent support. I know there's a few ex- expats down Adelaide, so we're always sort of well represented, you know, on average for, for Adelaide Games at Cooper. Yeah, so I think if you're going to show up in this one, make sure you pack the away jersey as well, because I don't think that we're going to be wearing orange in this one. Wouldn't no. have thought so, no. no. One of the rare times I actually need to wear the away kit. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, they did wear the home kit once in Adelaide when they were going for the Premier The less said about that game, the better. Yeah. And mm. on that note, we're going to wrap up this edition <laughs> of the Brisbane Football Review. That's that was everyone. good. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah. Scott, Adam, thank yeah. you. Thanks, Good guys. You, James, Adam. Pleasure. See you next week. Yep, and enjoy what's going to be a pretty light weekend of Brisbane football, so get what, out and enjoy the weekend. What weekend? Exactly. <laughs> enjoy your weekend, weekend off. yeah. All right, we'll be back next Wednesday to talk about everything that's going on. We'll talk to you then.